good morning. Man, so excited uh, to be uh, here this morning with you guys. Uh, if you want to grab your Bibles, we're going to be in the Song of Songs today, uh, which is in the Old Testament, if you, if you know that there is one, because sometimes we don't go there often, um, but it's in the Old Testament. Grab your Bibles. We're going to be on page 559 um, in the Bible. Uh, and today, <clears throat> we're starting uh, a new series called I Have a Friend. And essentially, what we're doing is we're, is we're teasing out a little bit further the idea of what it's like uh, to love people like Jesus loved them, uh, to, love some, to love people uh, the way Jesus actually loved them. In, in John 13 and John 15, he says that you should love others the way I loved you. And that is an uh, incredibly fascinating type of a concept to consider. And, and so over the spring, we've, we've been looking through that in some different ways, and we're going to be looking at specific relationships that we might find ourselves in in today's culture to actually learn how to do John 13 and learn how to do John 15. So ultimately, the glory goes to God and the joy goes to us. That's kind of the concept. Now, again, these Bibles, what, what I want you to do is I, I want you to be following along with the, in the Bible, whether that's in the book or on your phone, uh, because it's important for you to know that I'm just not making this stuff up. All right? Come on. That's important. The, you need to know that this comes from somewhere. The elders and pastors here at the church, we sit underneath this really big authority um, called Jesus, right? And uh, Jesus, he, he inspires writers and through their stories and history to write a book to give us guidance on how to live the life he designed us to live. And so t- what we do each and every Sunday is consider together what the scriptures say about how to guide our lives. And so for me, I just want you to know that I'm not, hey, I'm not sitting in the back room thinking, some, hey, this sounds good. I'm going to put a Bible verse on this. It's important for you to know that that's in there and that we're considering that together. And so today we're going to be doing that through uh, uh, the Song of Songs and as we look through how to love um, each other the way Jesus loved and specifically in our marriages. And uh, specifically in our marriages, we're looking for what it's like to be, um, whether it, what it's like to have uh, an awesome marriage, and, uh, and not only that, but also how to be a great corner four type friend for someone who might not have uh, just that type of concept. So we, we are sitting uh, in the midst of the Song of Songs. So the, the, the question is this today. What is it about an older couple or a newlywed that causes us to be like, oh, man, look at that. It just kind of melt all over the place. Are you with me here? No? Just me? Okay, cool, sweet. Um, that's cool, because that's what happens to me. I look at it sometimes, uh, like, so, like, oh, we just hit year 65, and I was like, oh, 65, man, that's incredible. Or like at the, at, when you're at the wedding, right, and you're like, man, this is in, so inspiring. You kind of want to like love your spouse a little bit more when you're done, and then, and then I, I'm so glad I didn't have daughters, because um, every time I watch the first dance, I'm like, like melting already. I can imagine if I had my own, you know, that sort of thing. And, but what is it about that type of idea that just causes us to be like, oh, man, this is so good. Like, this is, this is so good. And it's a concept that I think the Song of Songs teaches us, where, where Jesus says that we should love everybody. But what the Song of Songs teaches us is that we should cherish our spouse. And so the Bible teaches you got to love everybody. But the song teaches us that there's a special type of love that's reserved for your spouse called cherishing. And that if you cherish your spouse, you'll have a strong marriage. That if you cherish your spouse, 
you'll have a strong marriage. And so today, I wanted to just quickly look through just a number of concepts through the Song of Songs, and I'm literally going to preach the entire book of the Song of Songs to you today. I bet you never thought about that when you were coming to church. Like, I need to hear the Song of Solomon today to make sure all of this goes well. But there's really just four things I want to hit real fast about cherishing that hopefully encourages you, um, but, but even more so, what I hope it does is encourages you to also be um, an encouragement to someone that's in this spot right now. Some of you might need to hear this, but some of you might need to kind of pour this out on a friend, uh, pour this out on someone in your family. But there's really uh, four concepts that cherishing teaches us. Number one, that cherishing teaches us that we should find joy within each other. If you want a strong, awesome type of a marriage, you should cherish them in a way that finds joy in the other person. Now, look at, look at what it's song, right in the first line of the Song of Songs, look what Solomon is going to tell his wife. Now, again, as we read this, the Song of Songs was actually not allowed to be read by Jewish children until they were 13, which was adulthood, you know, like that was like, yeah, you can't really talk about that stuff. It's like, so we're going to wait for that. Um, and so it's, it's really this type of uh, language that's, that, that is, it's kind of dripping with sort, sorts of stuff. But look, look what it says, first, first one, it says, this is Solomon's Song of Songs, more wonderful than any other. That's kind of self-approving, huh? Verse 2, kiss me and kiss me again, for your love is sweeter than wine. How fragrant your cologne. Your name is like it's spreading fragrance. No wonder all the young women love you. And you're like, wait a second, hold up. Take me with you. Come, let's run. The king has brought me into his bedroom. How happy we are for you, O king. We praise you. Uh, praise your love even more than wine. So you see this concept that kind of actually goes on. We're going to look at a few others. You see this like, that's not something you're going to say to your buddy while you watch the Bruins game, right? Like that's not saying, yo, your kisses are sweeter than wine. Come on, bring it to me, bro. Like, let's go. That's not like love everyone the way Jesus loved it. There's like a deep, there's a depth there, right? And then it, it brings about joy, uh, within you to take that type of a concept and let it sink in down deep. It, there's joy in it. There's, it's kind of a newness. And, and you'll see the, 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 the book kind of progresses through the life stage of a, of a marriage and, or a life stage of this relationship. And it just starts with joy. Like, oh, man, we got to find joy. Because what happens a lot of times in marriages is, is that it, beca- it moves from, you know, this newness, this cherishing, this idea to maybe becoming a little bit more like an old soccer cleat. And, and that's a, that's, that can be funny. That's maybe, maybe not so funny for those that have lived through that sort of thing. Because it can kind of be like, hey, you know what? I'm cherishing this thing that my great, 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 great grandmother gave me. It's so pretty and it's so so great. But then sometimes it moves into this idea that you're just kind of used to each other. You're just kind of used to them being around. Just kind of used to them into the state. And what cherishing does, what the song is going to encourage you to do is to constantly fight for and guard the idea that you find joy in the person that you're with. Listen to some of the other things that they say. Listen to what cherishing type statements come up within the song. It says that they are enthusiastic and enthralled with their spouse. That they're, they boast boldly and loudly. I mean, I love that concept. And for, there's nothing more strengthening, I think, for a marriage than when you absolutely just can't boast more about your spouse. So you say, hey, you know what? I can't wait to tell you about this. I can't wait to... Tell someone about the concept that, 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 they're, that, they're, that they're studying or just being curious about. 
they think about with praise. When was the last time you sat back and thought with praise about the one that you loved? Just think with praise. Celebrates the best. They enjoy a lot. And they delight in with passion. Like, it, like the Song of Songs is going to teach you that it's okay to be that slopping wet mess of a relationship between, in front of your kids that they hate, right? Like it's like, ooh, mom, dad, stop. You know, uh, uh. But Song of Songs, no, 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 no. That's good and right. Let's celebrate the joy of what it's like to be with each other. Shirley Rice kind of quotes this, uh, quotes this in her book, the, A Physical Unity of Marriage, a woman's view, she says this, are you in love with your husband? Not do you love him. I know you do. He has been around a long time and you're used to him. He is the father of your children, but are you in love with him? How long has it been since your heart really squeezed when you looked at him? Why is it you have forgotten the things that attracted you to him at first? By the grace of God, I want you to start changing your thought pattern. And it continues, tomorrow morning, get your eyes off the toaster and baby bottles long enough to look at him. Don't you see the way his coat fits his shoulders? Look at his hands. Do you remember when, you just, uh, when just to look at his strong hands would make your heart filled with life? Well, look at him and remember, then unlock your tongue and tell him that you love him. Oh, man, there's something celebratory about this concept. And you can certainly take the word husband out and put wife right in there. To get your head and your mind off the toaster and start saying, you know what, I love you because I love you. And so he talks about the Song of Songs, says that we should be cherishing each other. Cherishing means that we should find joy. The next thing that cherishing says is it commits to fighting well. Because we're all like, amen, yep. Because we all don't got that one down, right? Again, maybe just me. That's cool. I said, all right, I'll be honest this morning. That's a, my wife and I fight. Right, that's how it rolls. But, but you go through the Song of Songs, and you go over to chapter 5. You just flip over to there. And you see that this, that this couple that went from this like, oh, my goodness, I can't imagine life without you. Just kiss me and kiss me again. To, you can tell there's something about to happen here. Verse Chapter 5 says this, I have entered my garden, my treasure, my bride. I gather myrrh with spices and eat honeycomb with my honey. I drink wine with, uh, with my milk. Everyone's like, well, that's a weird Friday night. You know, <laughs> like, what's the heck's that all about? Anyway, skip down to verse 4 because that's where I was supposed to start. Anyway, my, <laughs> like, I don't know what to do with that. I'm just going to put that right there in the center. Like, obviously, alcoholic. That's fine. They're cool. Verse 4. My lover tried to unlatch the door, and my heart thrilled uh, within me. I jumped to open the door for my love, and my hands dripped with perfume. My fingers dripped with lovely myrrh as I pulled back the bolt. I opened to my lover, but he was gone. And so there's this concept like where, where, the, where the husband knocks on the door, and he's starting to be like, hey, babe, let's hang out tonight. And she's like, I got a headache. I'm out. All right? I'm out. And so when you look at this, you see, but then, but then he, when the, the, the term unlatch the door means that he makes this second type of content. He makes this second type of a pull for her. And she gets, she gets excited about it and goes to answer the door. But look at what he does. I opened my lover, but he was gone. My heart sank. I searched for him. 
but could not find him anywhere. I called to him, but there was no reply. The night watchmen found me as they made their sounds. They beat and bruised me and stripped off my veil, those watchmen on the walls. Remember, this is a song, so that sounds funny, but this is just poetry. Make this promise, O women of Jerusalem. If you find my lover, tell him I am weak with love. Why is your love better than all the others, O woman of rare beauty? What makes your lover so special that we must promise this? This is what she says. My lover is dark and dazzling, better than ten thousands. His head is finest gold. His wavy hair is black as a raven. His eyes sparkle like doves beside springs of water. And she just continues to talk about why her love is the most special love that there ever has been and ever will be. Something happens. It switches from, not tonight, I got a headache, and there's a separation. And within that separation, something takes place in the heart of the woman to say, I need to go chase after him. Because even in fighting, don't you find there are moments of tenderness? Moments of like, oh, you know what? I can't take back something that I just said. I can't take back something that I just did. But I know that in God's mercy, he's going to forgive me and that he's going to bring us back. There's just a, a moment of like, oh, you know, moments of deep cherishing and joy that can be found even in the midst of God putting people back together in the midst of some big, deep separation. And so he's got to commit to fight well. So, so I don't know where he went. You know, later on they found him in the garden, so it's probably his version of ESPN with the door shut, right? And, and he's like, I need to like, I need to sit down for a little bit. I need to separate. Because a lot of times what happens when we fight is we react, don't we? Oh, man, we've, we learned this one a lot in our marriage where we, we just react in the moment. And we, begin, we begin to just talk out of all of the reptilian stuff. We want to survive and we want to guard ourselves and we can't think straight. And, and we just start saying things. And then we're like, why did I just say that? Like, come back in my mouth, please, right? The Song of Songs says that even in that separation, there's something that can be had. Gary Thomas writes this um, in his book, Sacred Marriage. And honestly, if, if you have never read this book, you need to read this book. Just put, I mean, I, you might not be a reader. Maybe you're an audible person. I don't know. You need to somehow read this book because it's so, so powerful. Um, he, he writes, he goes, whenever marital dissatisfaction rears its head in my marriage, as it does in every marriage, I simply check my focus. The times that I am happiest and most fulfilled in my marriage are the times when I am intent on drawing meaning and fulfillment from becoming a better husband rather than from demanding a better wife. If you can hear anything, hear that today. That the moments of deep satisfaction do not come from demanding that the other person change, but that it comes from sacrificing yourself at the foot of the cross and saying, Jesus, change me. Change me. Change me. He continues. He says this. Maybe he continues. There you go. All right. If you're a Christian... The reality is that, biblically speaking, you can't swap your spouse for someone else, but you can change yourself. And that change can bring the fulfillment that you mistakenly believe is found only by changing partners. In one sense, it's comical. Yes, we need a changed partner, but the partner that needs to change is not our spouse, it's us. Now, if everybody would believe that, you wouldn't go about blaming the other person every single time you needed to change. 
There's no better concept of self-efficacy, uh, and I almost messed that one up big time. That would have been bad. Efficacy, where you are owning your own stuff, and you're not codependent, and you're not independent, but you're speaking about a relationship that's healthy. He continues, last, last one. He says, I don't know why this works. Don't you love when an author says, I don't know. I don't know why it works. I don't know, I, I don't know how you can be unsatisfied, offer yourself to God to bring about change in your life, and suddenly find yourself more satisfied with the same spouse. I don't know why this works, only that it does work. It takes time, and by time I mean maybe years. But if your heart is driven by the desire to draw near to Jesus, you will find joy by becoming like Jesus. You'll never find joy by doing something that offends Jesus, such as instigating a divorce or affair. So you've got to commit to fight well, because if you find joy in each other, if you commit to fight well, lastly, point three, you will fight to stay. Cherishing keeps us from going anywhere. Keeps us from going anywhere. Verse eight, uh, chapter eight, they get to the end of their relationship. They get to the end of their relationship and they begin to consider all the things that they've gone through. They begin to consider all the things that they've uh, uh, engaged with and moved towards. This is what it says, verse, chapter eight, verse one. Oh, I wish you were my brother who nursed at my mother's breasts, that I could kiss you no matter who was watching and that no one would criticize me. I would bring you to my childhood home, and there you would teach me. I would give you spiced wine to drink, my sweet pomegranate wine. Your left arm would be under my head, and your right arm would embrace me. Promise me, O woman of Jerusalem, not to awaken love until the time is right. This is them at the end of their life, and they're saying, don't, don't awaken. Don't awaken. He's, they're, giving, they're giving some sort of a uh, like development opportunity for people that are younger than them, and they're, and they're mentoring people. Like, don't awaken love until the time is right, because when you awaken love, it's powerful. Verse 5 says, who is this sweeping in from the desert, leaning on her lover, I aroused you under the apple tree when your mother gave you birth. In great pain, she delivered you. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death. It's jealousy as enduring as the grave. Love flashes like fire in the brightest kind of flame. If you skip all the way down, go to verse 14. The last chapter, the last verse of this whole book says, Come away, my love. Be like a gazelle or a young stag on the mountains of spices. And so what happens is the book ends the same way the book begins with two people pursuing each other. The moment you stop pursuing each other is the moment that you stop cherishing. I mean, look at the, the, it starts with kiss me and kiss me again. Like continue to find me, continue to be with me, continue. Oh, how lucky I am to be with you. And at the end of the book, you see them jumping over mountains to be with each other. Don't you, doesn't it feel like that sometimes in marriage where it's like, where, where you're like, um, it was really easy five years ago to like you. And, and I'm not even sure now where we're at. And at the end of it, He's saying, jump over mountains. I got to jump over mountains to be with you, but I'm going to be with you because I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to go anywhere. Here's the deal is that Jesus himself 
did all that he could to pursue us, his bride, the church. And in the same boat, if we want to love like Jesus loved, if we want to love like Jesus loved, we have to pursue the way Jesus pursued. And so cherishing, there's something in cherishing that, that makes new life come about. It's something when you sacrifice yourself to Jesus to say, God, change me, not change my spouse, my word, that will change everything about your marriage if you just did that one thing. And there's a story, um, Pastor Chris and Renee have a story that's kind of like this, and they agreed to share some of it uh, today, so they're going to, uh, you know, pop into here, uh, they're going to pop in and, and share via video, but... But what I love about this type of idea is that resurrection, although we celebrated Easter last week, resurrection is what we celebrate each and every week. We love that. I mean, that's the whole center point of the church. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to share some stories like this to bring about um, what it's like to celebrate this idea. So uh, we'll listen to Pastor Chris and Renee. Hey, church. Uh, so yeah, so today in, in our gatherings, uh, we're talking about this concept of cherishing our spouses and having awesome marriages uh, because we cherish one another. And um, and today we're here uh, with, with Pastor Chris and Renee, and, and they're in a spot, they, they were in a spot where um, really life uh, brought them into a spot where they began to cherish each other. And, uh, and, and that some of that life change happened as a result of the life that Christ gave. So start, maybe just start from the, you know, maybe not the beginning or maybe a, a spot where you feel like it can give us some good context about where you were at um, and then how Christ began to shift it into a spot where you uh, were talking about today. A good starting point for restoration is always rock bottom. So for us, our rock bottom was in uh, 2009, just um, some decisions that were made and, and um, uh, that affected our marriage in a way that, that we were left in pieces. And it was at that point um, at that point where restoration started to happen, we sought some counsel, um, really started to uh, communicate. I think that was a big thing for us as far as that restoration process. And really a big part of cherishing love is being able to communicate effectively. I'd say that was the turning point for us where, where things started to, to sort of sync up and click um, in that area of our marriage, yeah. Is there something that ever stops you from actually wanting to um, humble yourself and pursue that? Like, is there like something that with, like you'll say, hey, you know what? I don't want to enter into this with you. I don't want to cherish you. I don't want to choose to uh, change my perspective. For me, I was just, I was so broken. Everything was shattered and I just literally was on my knees just asking God, what do you, what do you want to do? What are you gonna do with this? Cause I can't anymore. Yeah. So I, I, maybe that openness to just let God work um, and let, go of it myself. My hands were released. I did not have control over it. It was all in his hands. So really the, the common denominator there is um, turning to God and it, it just acknowledging that even in that rock bottom that that's where God starts to create. Um, and it's so true and, and I know that I'm at my best in cherishing my wife when I see her as God sees her, when I see her first as a daughter to God the Father, and secondly, as my wife, right? And so when I'm able to wake up and see that side of her, that deep cherishing starts to, starts to really stir. We had rigorous professional counseling 
and they brought us to places where we were able to accept each other. Um, everything that was going on in our lives, um, all the background that we had right back to childhood, truly gaining that understanding of each other gave us the ability to look at each other with that perspective of, oh, okay, that's, this is who you are. This is why you're doing what you're doing, even though it's killing me and it, it hurts and I'm hurting you and I'm killing you, but let's figure out why we're doing that. Now, instead of just letting this be your story and that's it, you're allowing God to redeem your story by helping people move through these very same things that you're that you work through. So, uh, talk about you know just your heart for that and why you wanted to be corner for people for people that were in your same spot. You say, mm -hmm. I, I want to be uh, that support, that structure, that life, that push for people mm -hmm. that are in the same thing. I think part of it was um, noticing, recognizing ourselves and our own gifts, is we have a great. Um, just compassion and, and mercy for people that are in need. We're, we're always um, willing and, and looking for ways that we can help people in need. So this was one way where, um, you know, there's, there's a, a felt need for this um, outside and inside the church. I think anytime you experience a miracle, you can't help but shout it. You have to shout it out, you have to share it. Yeah. and others are going through such hard times so yeah. um, it becomes almost unnatural to not help and mm -hmm. not share that was your story that was a mess that was mm -hmm. hard you know mm -hmm. so how does that kind of looking at it now from a 50,000 foot view how does that change that perspective that, that glance we're not perfect now our marriage isn't perfect now so when we go through hard times when we fight we still fight it's great to have that in my back pocket because we got through that. So it's a it's a grateful perspective. It's um it's it's there, it happened, and what we're going through right now, we will get through. And so it's rooted our faith even more because it's yeah, like we know what it's like to be there. And we know what it's like to experience that sort of trial and that rock bottom, but then we know what Friday feels like. But there's there's always that Sunday. There's always that Sunday, and so that promise is just seated. It gives us a lot of perspective that that God's a faithful God. That God that although Friday's here, Sunday's coming. Um, but then also that cherishing your spouse, although like might not be the the state now, is there. Like it, the potential is there, regardless of even if you're not at rock bottom. Like. It's even if you're not at rock bottom, we can begin to change the way that we see our spouses. And so, church, we're praying for you um, that that your marriage, uh, regardless of where you're at, whether it's rock bottom or you're doing well, that that there's a perspective difference and change in the way that you cherish each other. Um, I, I pray that that really that there's a uh, that you begin to fix your eyes on Christ and uh, that you fix your eyes on Him and throw off all of the weight that so easily entangles our ability to be able to do that with each other. Um, what I love about their story is that at the heart of it, it started with their heart, that God changed their heart and allowed it to overflow into their relationship. And I, I just pray that that's something you begin to experience as God begins to uh, deepen and strengthen the roots within your marriage. So man, I hope that's some good news for some of you in here today. Um, but there's, there's a verse I kind of referenced right at the end of that. It says, because cherishing love is really just the, the way that Jesus loves us.
It's the way that Jesus loves us. He talks about it in Psalms. They, he talks about it in Zephaniah. He talks about it in different ways that he says, I am pursuing you. Some of you in here today may, may not know that. But there's a God that loves you. He's been pursuing you. He got you here. He wants you to be in relationship with him. He wants you to be connected to a local church. This is what he says, and this might be good for us in our marriages today. Is therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor in God's throne. And so your invitation today is to throw off all the weight. This is tough work. This could be tough work for you. Perhaps some of you, it's just a little perspective change. Some of you, you might have to root up the whole thing. And he's saying, it's worth it to do that. Throw off the sin. Be fully devoted to Jesus. Be changed because from a changed heart is what you're going to end up cherishing your spouse with. It's going to come out from out inside of you. Come out and come out over top to love the spouse that you're with. It starts with a heart that's sold out to Jesus. It starts with a heart that's changed by Christ. And I pray today that that could be something that does its work in you. And so, hey, stand with us if you could. I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing together about how to be devoted to Jesus. God, we love you. <clears throat> and God, we know that there's a lot of people in here that know uh, that they, they want an awesome marriage, or maybe they know someone that wants an awesome marriage. Maybe you are in the work of redeeming a past marriage, or maybe you're setting them up for a future marriage. But God, I pray today that this idea that you teach about in the song, that this love that is reserved for our spouse, a cherishing, can find its life in you, God, that it can come to life in the hearts of our church. And not only that, God, but you empower our church to to model that and to teach that and to show that for your glory out in our communities with their friends. God, I pray that we can be that fragrance of your glory all throughout the world. God, today, do that within us, deep down. Allow us to cherish, cherish our spouse in a way that we never have before. In your name we pray, amen, amen. Church, I know sometimes this kind of stuff can stir up some some, some feelings in, in different ways. And I just would say, you know, if find, maybe find a spot on the sides to take some time and pray. Maybe that might be helpful for you. And maybe just in your seat, you want to pray a bit. Uh, but for those of you that want to sing, you can stand and sing as well.